Welcome to the Watershed Teaching Podcast. Watershed is the high school ministry of Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Perimeter Church is part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Watershed is a place where we hope high school students would connect, receive, and transform. We want to see students connect with God and others through healthy community, receive His truth through gospel-centered, grace-based teaching, and be transformed by the gospel to then go transform their world. Thank you for downloading this podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.perimeter.org slash watershed. Hello. Um, welcome to Watershed. I know that it's a holiday weekend, so thank you for showing up. Um, but also because of that, it's been fun to see some old faces today. Um, back from college, and Devin Thompson is in the room, um, if you didn't see her. So, um, so welcome. My name is Kate, and a lot of you I know, some of you I don't. Um, and if you don't know me, I have the privilege to work primarily with your discipleship group leaders. Um, I recruit them and meet with them, and I get to hang out with them, which is really fun. Um, and the cool thing about your leaders is that even though you might not know this, they actually have a family outside of Sunday nights, they have friends, they have a job, um, and it is a big sacrifice and commitment for them to show up here every Sunday night. So give them a round of applause for that. They are awesome and they love you so much. I know that because I get to meet with them and talk to them about that. Um, So why do they show up here every Sunday night when they could be spending their time doing a million other things? Because they have counted the cost of following Jesus, and they have found him worthy of following. And they have found him so worthy of following that they want you to follow him too. They think Jesus is so worthy of loving and laying down their life for, and they want to lay down their life for you as well. And so that is a huge example of what we're going to talk about tonight. So We've been in a series on radical dependence, and last week we talked about radical repentance. Tonight we're going to talk about radical cost. What is the cost of following Jesus? Um, Because that is the first step, is to repent and turn towards Jesus, to accept his invitation. Some of you have accepted his invitation. Some of you might not have. And then the next step is just really seeing, okay, what does it mean to be a disciple of Christ? What does it mean to follow him? And it's not a small thing. It's not a small cost, but we'll see and we'll talk about why it's worth following him, even though there's a large cost involved. So the passage we're looking at tonight, we're going to look at two passages from the book of Luke. Luke 9, 23 through 25 says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? And then Luke 14, 25 through 33 says, Now great crowds accompanied him and turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, Yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. 
Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it to begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate, going out to encounter another king, oh, sorry, deliberate, whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Okay, so that's a little daunting, right? To be a disciple of Christ, we have to deny ourselves. Jesus says we have to take up our cross and carry it in order to follow him. What does that mean? First, following Christ, it costs me my resources. So in the context of this passage, he says some kind of crazy things, right? We have to deny our brother and our father and our sister and our wife. Um, We have to turn away from our very self in order to follow him. Well, before this passage, all of these people are following Jesus, okay? So they think that he is this new ruler. They think that he is this king who has come to give them this huge empire and to fix all of their political woes. Right now, you would have to be living under a rock to think that we're not in some political turmoil in this country. There is a divide, right? And some people on the right are saying, these things will fix our country. Some people on the left are saying, these things will fix our country. And so these people are following Jesus. They're looking to him to bring all the answers. They're looking to him to be the Messiah, to bring them peace, to bring them a kingdom that they've been dreaming of. And so he goes, wait a second. I want to give you a kingdom that is eternal and that is everlasting, but that kingdom will only come when your kingdom dies, when your own kingdom comes to an end. So to follow me is going to take a great cost. To follow me, you are going to have to die. Um, He wants to explain that the cost of discipleship To those who are following him, it's not an easy road to follow. When I was in college, I was a camp counselor, and one of my friends, she wrote me a postcard, because that's how we communicated in camp. We wrote letters. I didn't have a phone all summer, and it was the most freeing thing ever. I loved it. Um, And she wrote me a letter, and she said, you know, Kate, I was thinking about it, and in order for God's kingdom to come, my kingdom has to die first. And I think we pray that a lot, right? God, your kingdom come, your will be done. But do you realize what you're saying? What do you want your kingdom to look like? Um, Is your kingdom built around the way that you look? Is your kingdom built around the sports that you do, how well you do in a cross-country match, how well you do at a football game? Is it built around Georgia football winning? Um, Is it built around... Even your friend group, is it built around your boyfriend? Is it built around your girlfriend? Because those things 
that you build your life around, they will come to an end if it is not Christ. Christ is the only eternal thing that you can build your kingdom and your life around. In another one of Jesus' parables, he says, he talks about a rich young ruler who comes to him and says, Lord, Lord, what, what can I do in order to inherit eternal life? And he says to him, Jesus says to him, you know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, don't defraud, all of those things. And the man says, teacher, yes, I do know those things and I've kept them all from my youth, which is a little funny. I wonder if he has really, but... Um, And Jesus looking at him, he loved him. He looked at him. In another version, it would say he looked at him with compassion. And he said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. Disheartened by that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This man was putting his hope in the things of this world. And he could not turn away from them in order to follow Jesus. What can you not turn away from in order to follow Jesus? Because I promise you, he's probably, if you are following Jesus, and I don't know if everyone in this room is, but if you are following Jesus, he is going to want you to lay that thing down. And it doesn't mean forever. It doesn't mean that you never get good things on this earth. But if you put all of your hope, if you put all of your life into the things of this earth, even in your relationships, they will fail you. But Jesus won't. He won't. The second thing, oh, well, let me tell you this really quick before we move to the second thing. There was um, a man named Jim Elliott, and he lived this out in a very literal manner. He gave his life in order to follow Jesus. He gave his life in order to tell others about Jesus. So he was a missionary in Ecuador. And when he was over there um, trying to minister to this unreached people group, he was killed. He was killed by the very people he was trying to love and to serve. But one of the things he said, he has a journal that has been published. And he said in that, he is no fool who gives that he what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. So ultimately, what he's saying, and he lived it out, that it is not a foolish thing to give up the things that are going to die away anyway in order to have and to serve the thing that you can keep for eternity. That's wisdom. And one of those things that we might have to give up are relationships. This is one of the hardest ones for me. I'm a very relational person. If you're interested in the Enneagram, I'm a two on it. (laughs) Relationships are a big deal to me. And I really love people's approval. Um, I seek affirmation. That's what fills my soul. So there have been a lot of times where the Lord has really had to break me of that. And he has had to take away a lot of relationships over the years. And when I, about five years ago, I was living in New York, and one of my roommates, who was one of my best friends at the time, her name was Sam, and she came to me, and she had just started dating this guy who wasn't a Christian. And she was having a lot of doubts about her own faith, um, so she was seeking me out for counsel about this. 
And I told her, and I, and I meant this, I said, Sam, I don't, I do care if you're obedient to the Lord, but really my biggest concern is that you get to the end of this life and you have lived for the love of a man. Because that's, that's not gonna fulfill you. Well, that came back to speak to me. Because um, a couple of years later, I met someone who was very kind, he was very successful, and I liked him a lot, and he liked me a lot. Um, and we proceeded to date for a while, um, and he knew that my faith was important to me. So he was going through the motions of going to church with me. I even threw a lot of Tim Keller books at him. Um, he really sought truth, and he, he genuinely sought it. And we ended up, having, we ended up breaking up um, and then trying to get back together and that whole cycle. But ultimately, I had to walk away from him. And, y'all, he would have provided for me financially. He would have provided for me a companion. He would have potentially provided for me children. And I'm 31 now, so that's not a small thing to let go of. And I had to walk away. And I was talking to a coworker the other day, and they were saying, you know, if I was faced with having to count the cost, I don't know if I could. And I didn't know if I could, to be honest. But the thing that really allowed me to let go and to follow Jesus and to choose Jesus was that I know without a doubt that I trust God more than any man on this earth. And God has proven himself to me to be faithful and to be worthy of following. And I can tell you that after 31 years, it is true. It is not easy. By any means, it's not easy. But I know that he is faithful and I know that he is good. And I know that he is trustworthy of following. So... Um, I, was, I was reading a commentary about this very passage about giving up relationship and, and having to hate your father and mother in order to follow Jesus. And um, this commentator said, the greatest danger of idolatry comes not from what is bad, but from what is good. Such a love and family relationships. The greatest threat to the best often comes from second best. So a lot of times, we want to give ourselves to things that are not God's best for us. And it will only lead to destruction. It really will, I promise. Um, and finally, following Christ cost me my whole heart. In chapter 9, Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We now have this very sanitized picture of a cross, right? We wear them on our necklaces. We wear them on our jewelry. We tattoo them on our arms. I almost did once. Um, we have this very pretty picture of what the cross is. But at this time when Jesus is saying that, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily, that was a terrible picture. That was like, I'm going to death row and you're coming with me. And they knew that in order to follow him, there was no going back. There's no turning from the cross. There's no returning. 
And to notice that in this passage he says his cross, he must take up his cross and not a cross because everyone's cross looks different. My cross is going to look different from yours and everyone else in this room because God knows the thing that you need to lay down and he's going to ask you to lay that down. Um, There's a man named Sam Alberry who I have learned a lot from. Um, He is a Christian minister, and he is same-sex attracted. Um, But he has chosen to live a life of celibacy in order to follow Christ, which takes a lot of deaths, right? To follow Jesus and say, I might be alone for the rest of my life, but I'm choosing to follow you, and I think that Jesus is going to be enough. And he said this in one of his books. He said, Ever since I have been open about my own experiences with homosexuality, a number of Christians have said something like this. The gospel must be harder for you than it is for me, as though I have more to give up than they do. But the fact is that the gospel demands everything out of all of us. If someone thinks the gospel has somehow slotted into their life quite easily without causing any major adjustments to their lifestyle or aspirations, it is likely that they have not really started following Jesus at all. So I want to ask you that. If you're a Christian in the room, if you have decided to follow Jesus, then does that cost you anything? Because if it hasn't cost you anything, I would question whether you're really following him. But this all sounds kind of, Jeff, this morning when he was talking about this same topic, it kind of sounds doom and gloom, like my whole life's going to be about death, (laughs) you know? But that's not what Jesus is saying. Because following Christ, it brings you new life. He doesn't want you to die just for the sake of dying. He doesn't want you to suffer for the sake of suffering. And he's not asking you to do anything that he hasn't done. Jesus, not only he died when he lived on earth to himself, to his own selfish tendencies, he gave up a lot. He didn't even have a home to live in. He never had a wife. Um, He left his mother and father to go disciple to many people, he had to die to a lot of his needs, and then he died on a cross. For you, and for you, and for you, and for you, and for everyone in this room, he died for you. That's how much he loves you. But it didn't stop there, because Jesus rose from the grave. And that shows us that out of death comes life. That our dying is not for death itself, but is because God wants to resurrect new life in us. Because he doesn't want to give you second best. He wants to give you best. And that is life with him and for his glory. Jesus paid the ultimate cost. He made the ultimate sacrifice. And his death did not end in despair. His death brought new life for everyone who believes in him. And not only for him, but for everyone who believes in him. And Ephesians 2, 4 through 8 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So when you die with him, you will be raised with him. It's great news. At the beginning of this, I talked about um, Jim Elliott, how he was a missionary who died in order to um, share the gospel with others. And his wife was left behind, um, and she continued to minister to the people of Ecuador. And she ended up having great success, and the gospel spread in this community where her husband had died. And she says, in one of my favorite books by her, she says this, Think of the self that God has given as an acorn. It is a marvelous little thing, a perfect shape, perfectly designed for its purpose, perfectly functional. Think of the grand glory of an oak tree. God's intention when he made the acorn was, not, was the oak tree, His intention for us is the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Many deaths must go into our reaching that measure, many letting goes. When you look at the oak tree, you don't feel that loss of the acorn is a very great loss. The more you perceive God's purpose in your life, the less terrible the losses seem. So Jesus is not asking you to suffer for the sake of suffering. And I'm going to ask the band to come back up. Um, He isn't asking you to die for the sake of death. He wants to give you new and better life. He has a greater purpose for you. Are you stuck thinking of yourself as an acorn when he wants you to be a grand and glorious oak tree? He knows that on the other side of whatever it is that you need to die to, that there is resurrection. And his cross proves that that will resurrect. And that he will bring victory out of death. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for your life and your death on the cross. I thank you, um, God, that you give us new life. And I pray, Lord, um, that whatever people are holding on to in this room, whatever things that they are clinging to to give them life, Lord, I pray that they would have the courage to let it go and allow you um, to just bring your kingdom in their own life, Lord. God, I pray that, that you would kill the kingdoms in this room that are not of you and you would raise up your own kingdom, Lord. God, we love you and we thank you for the resurrection. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.